Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And you're listening to the Ready State Podcast. You got it! You better stop it! This episode of the Ready State Podcast is brought to you by Momentus. I want to talk about how I use Momentus as a secret weapon to get micronutrients and macronutrients into my kids. True fact. I watch you do it. It's called the $14 pancake. Tell me more about that. Well, what I try to do in the morning sometimes is realize that this is one of the few opportunities where I can cram as much nutrition and control into my kids' diet. So I make them breakfast, and I make the $14 pancake, which is the best eggs I can afford, the best butter I can afford, like good fats. And then I sneak in momentous protein, momentous collagen, momentous creatine, and I open up vitamin D capsules in there too. Oh, I've never seen you do the capsule, the vitamin D thing. That's I know, genius. I'm super sneaky. I don't want my That's kids to all look weird. But what ends up happening then is that I make this super nutrient-dense pancake, and I'm like, hey, kids, who wants pancakes? Ha <laughs> ha. Meanwhile, they're going to the Olympics and I don't even know how. Well, the thing is with kids is if something doesn't taste good, they won't eat it, even if they know it's good for them. Um, and this tastes so good. They eat it right up. Yeah. And the real key here is that we're thinking about support, nutritional support. This never in lieu of, but I feel like in these moments, I have a real opportunity to improve the ball. And that is the protein pancake. To get all the ingredients you need to make a protein pancake, go to thereadystate.com slash momentous and use code TRS for 20% off your first purchase. Ultimate Pancake. This episode of The Ready State is brought to you by Virtual Mobility Coach. This may sound crazy, but last year, I kind of tried to clone my husband. Awesome. Only kind of, though. You see, Kelly gets dozens of requests every day for help. And even though he wants to give everyone his personal attention, there just aren't enough hours in the day. So I typed in how to clone a human being into Google. Just kidding, but in seriousness, what we did do was create our virtual mobility coach platform. It's like having a virtual Kelly Star ad in your pocket. Which obviously everyone needs. I mean, that's right. I personally create over 600 mobility protocols for the virtual mobility coach. So the platform can help you with almost any movement problem imaginable. For example, let's say you're in pain. The VMC will show you a diagram of the human body. All you have to do is click where it hurts. And from there, we'll serve you up a customized pain prescription we call Mobility RX. The virtual mobility coach can also help you warm up and cool down when you exercise. Every day, we provide fresh pre- and post-workout mobilizations for more than four dozen sports and movements. Plus, on your days off, we even have a video called Daily Maintenance to help you relax and recover so you can get back 100% in record time. And best of all, right now, you can try Virtual Mobility Coach free for two whole weeks, so you can check out everything it has to offer without paying a penny. Claim your free 14-day trial of Virtual Mobility Coach now. Go to thereadystate.com slash free trial. That's thereadystate.com slash free trial. And we'll see you inside. On this episode of the Ready State Podcast, we are delighted to introduce Rich Froning. Rich has dominated the title of fittest man on earth by winning four consecutive CrossFit Games men's titles and five affiliate cup championships. The former firefighter from Cookville, Tennessee, took up CrossFit in 2009 and made his game's debut a year later, finishing second overall. In 2014, after his fourth consecutive win, Rich stepped away from the individual competition to focus on his growing family, only to come back a year later, starting a run of six additional podium finishes with Mayhem Freedom between 2015 and 2021. In addition to world-class athlete, Rich has added entrepreneur and media brand to his portfolio, launching Froning Farms, Buffalo Brew Coffee, and Mayhem Athlete Programming Business Ventures. 
Rich is also an integral part of the ever-growing CrossFit Mayhem and Froning Farms YouTube channels and two podcasts, Froning and Friends and Into the Storm. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Rich, welcome to the Ready State Podcast. We are really excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you guys. So I just want to get started because obviously everybody listening to this knows you as Rich Froning, most successful CrossFit Games athlete of all time. I think it's fair to say that. But if you could just let everybody know, you must have had some kind of a life before CrossFit. And what was that? What were you up to? And how did you find CrossFit? Yeah. So I, oh man, it's really a long time ago now. I'm <laughs> getting older and older. I was thinking about this the other day. But uh, yeah, so I, I grew up, I was born in Michigan, way back, way born in Michigan, moved to Tennessee when I was four and a half, five. I've lived in Tennessee ever since in Cookville, Tennessee. Grew up playing a ton of sports, you know, not organized, I guess. The main organized sports that I played were football and baseball. Baseball kind of took the the forefront in uh, high school. And so did a little bit of that, went to play college baseball, decided college baseball wasn't where I wanted to be. Came home. I had a girlfriend that lived back home. That was a big part of it. Got homesick, came back. My dad was like, all right, well, it's too late to transfer. So you're going to work in a factory assembling airbags. So I did that for six months. And uh, the Cookville Fire Department at the time had a student firefighter program where you worked as a full-time firefighter. They paid your tuition to Tennessee Tech. And so I did that for three and a half, four years. And um, in that process, kind of towards the last part of that, I, I also worked as a graduate assistant for intramurals at the end of the firefighting and found CrossFit. One of the, the head strength and conditioning coaches was a professor in exercise science and said, hey, should you're into working out obviously and then a lot of military police or fire are doing this you should check it out and so like everybody else started watching crossfit videos on crossfit.com and just started doing it because I, I enjoyed it and then in the process of that found out that you can compete in it and i guess the rest is history as they say that was 2009 june of 2009 i got my level one and then found out you could compete that winter i guess it was july because i started watching the the games videos that they put out in 2010 or 2009 and so 2010, I competed and I've basically been doing that every year since then. When you first started, were you like us and you were trying all these random CrossFit workouts, but in like a normal gym and getting like the evil eye from people or where were you going or was there already a CrossFit? No. So yeah, there was a CrossFit gym, but I was a broke college student and couldn't afford it. So we either would do them in the <laughs> campus rec facility or we had uh, myself and Darren, my cousin who I started CrossFit with. We worked at a corporate fitness facility, so we did some of the stuff in there. And then we started kind of making our own stuff and doing our own thing at my dad's barn. And so we trained a lot at the barn. And then from there, we decided to open a gym, but we couldn't afford to call ourselves CrossFit. And so we coached using CrossFit methodologies. Um, but this was before it was cool to do that. Now it's cool to do that and not be called CrossFit. Um, <laughs> we did it because we were broke. And then uh, I won my sectional. Is that what they called it then? Your sectional. And then won my regional. And then after that, Dave came up to me, Castro, and said, hey, uh, where you train? And I kind of told him, hey, yeah, we're poor and we can't do it. And he's like, email me on Monday and we'll waive your fee. And CrossFit Mayhem was born. That's a cool story. Did you know immediately upon starting CrossFit that you were good at it because you could just see and compare your times with other people? Are you like, wow, I have a knack for this? Or you're just, you know, like, was that obvious to you immediately or you had no idea? No idea, really, you know, because um, in the beginning when I started CrossFit, I, like I said, I started with my cousin Darren and we would work out every day and I'd say 50-50, you know, he'd beat me on anything 
over 10 to 12 minutes and I'd beat him on anything that was heavy or a little bit faster. So really had no idea. And then when we really started kind of diving into competing and though I remember, like I said, one, I've said this a couple of times, but one of the first times we did two workouts in a day and we didn't die, you know, cause the, at the beginning you thought that if you, didn't, you didn't know if that was possible. No, you thought, Oh, well, you know, they say only one time a day, if you do it twice, you might die. And so we did, we did our second workout and we were like, cause we were bored, you know, it was summer and we didn't have anything to do. And so we worked out twice and we didn't die. And then kind of the two a days were born after that. And, uh, you know, when we started doing that type of stuff and then watching videos and watching Kalipa videos, I remember one of the workouts I did, or we did some of the 2009 games workouts and our times were comparable. I was like, oh man, maybe you should try this next year. And that's when I signed up for sectionals and Darren never did. And that's always the joke. You know, we want to make a video, kind of a parody video where Darren falls asleep on the chair and like goes back to that moment and he signs up and I don't. And like, I'm living his life. He's living my life. It's like Narcissus and Goldie. Yeah, yeah. You're going to end up in the same place. Aaron was an incredible or is an incredible athlete. We always joke that he's the, one of the best athletes to never try. You know, he just didn't care. Just never had that. And, you know, he does an incredible job for us behind the scenes and does our affiliate programming now and is the best coach and best you know, kind of people person and can relate to any type of person. And so his body doesn't, isn't sore all the time, which is really cool. I know exactly. Right. He can walk without, you know, clicking and popping as much as mine do. My knees do. Let me ask you this. You, um, if anyone knows you, you're, you love to play, you ride bikes, you run, you, you're in an intramural flag football league. It's pretty competitive. Yep. Yep. yep yeah. We, uh, we I don't travel. Know if that's now. the right word. You're in a competitive flag football competitive league. Flag football. Yeah. We, we just got back from Tampa a couple of weeks ago, actually. It's pretty amazing. Dude, it's competitive. If you travel, that's competitive. Yeah, it's competitive. Yeah. And you guys take it really seriously. I mean, yeah, we do. It's, it's your, fun. Your it's, outfits are amazing. Yeah, the names yeah, cheap are amazing. Suits. Cheap suits. It's a tuxedo t shirt. One of the things that, you know, I've had the pleasure of just getting to train with you when hanging around the house, and you're always down for it. Have you always had this huge genetic drive to move? Because my ding on my genetics is that I have a huge genetic drive to move. Like, I'm always like, let's play, let's play, let's play, let's twitch. I'm, Juliet thinks I'm ADD, and this is how I cope. There's no thinking. But I can't recover. I don't have the recovery skills that you guys do. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm one of, uh, just I, on my mom's side, I'm there, there's 32 of us first cousins. And then I have, you know, four or five cousins on my other side, but there's 32 of us, 25 of us are boys. The girls are just as athletic as the guys. And, you know, when I was a kid, we always thought that there was this competition of like, who's the best cousin, you know? So, hey, guys, go swim across the pond and see who can get back here the fastest from the other side or ride your bikes around the pond. Who's the fastest. So, you know, we kind of built this competition up in our head and I never figured it out until I had kids that they were just trying to wear us out. But in my head, I look back and I'm like, you guys created these monsters that we all are now. Cause a lot of us are still super competitive and uber competitive in what we do. And I'm like, at the time I was thinking it was, you know, who's the best. And now it's, now that I have kids, because I did this the other night, we're laying in bed at 7.30 at night. Hillary was out. She had a friend's birthday party. So I had all three kids, get them dinner, get them, you know, bathed and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, all right, we're going to go to bed at 7.30. We're going to lay in bed, watch a movie until, you know, everybody's going to fall asleep. Everybody's bad, just crazy, just losing their mind. Trice is, and he's high energy anyway, but the girls are just, everybody's fighting and kind of whatever. I'm like, all right, downstairs. And they're like, what are we doing? I was like, downstairs now. They're like, are we cleaning? And I'm like, no. Lakeland, get on the assault runner. I made her move for a minute. Trice, you're next. And I let the other two play while the other one was getting their minute on the assault runner and just let them, and I rotated them through for a minute until they got a mile done. 
and then we go back upstairs. <laughs> terrible parenting. Terrible parenting. But and, and also genius. Blake and Violet fall right asleep. Out. Trice, still batshit crazy. Just running, jumping, doing whatever. And I'm like, Trice, I want to go back downstairs and work out. Uh, so I've just created a complex in that kid. But it's... Uh, it's called self-soothing. It's how we feel better. It was fun. Not, not one of my finer moments. But yeah, no, I blame that on my parents and, and my aunts and uncles. And But yeah, I have to move. I have to do something. I have to compete. I enjoy, like you said, I enjoy... Well, what's great about what I do is, you know, my job is to move. And so now getting into mountain biking over the last couple of years really enjoy that. It's been something that is fitness and I still get to, it helps my job technically, but uh, is a release as well where I can get out and just kind of go in the woods and, and go fast and do things that are a little bit dangerous probably because I do have a little bit of that. Obviously being a firefighter, you do have, I, I just don't have that switch that tells me that I shouldn't be doing things. And so uh, it helps. It helps. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so I would just like to say all bets, in my opinion, all bets are off when it comes to getting kids to go to sleep and be asleep. So I don't think that's terrible parenting. I think it's amazing parenting. You know, we used to make our kids, they wanted to watch TV. We would make them do a hundred kettlebell swings to watch TV. And, you know, people had sort of a mixed reaction. Like, you know, the internet was like, well, I mean, your kids may be in therapy in their twenties about that. Like, you know, and on the other hand, but I was like, I think it's awesome. So, I mean, you know, it remains to be seen because everyone always says, Hey, you know, you guys seem to be doing a great job as parents. Like, what's your secret? I was like, no, 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 no. Like come back and talk to me when my kids are 27. Like this is a full experiment right now. We have no idea if any of this is working or harming them. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would look at, you know, I say it helps them, but you know, you look back and you're like, dang, maybe that wasn't. And sometimes you do stuff and you're like, I screwed that one up <laughs> daily. Actually. Do you remember Rich, how you and Kelly first met? I mean, I know I first met you at a CrossFit games, but I don't know. When did you and Kelly first meet? Was it like in during one of your teaching junkets or what were you doing? Do you guys remember? Wow. Neither one of you remember. <clears throat> it's the syphilis that's eating my brain. I've, Senile. I'm sure. I'm sure. It had to have been at a games. Well, let, let me the, go, world, let me. the world is a little different. I think people don't understand that. You know, ten years ago, longer, it was a much smaller community. You reached out. You could actually just ask people for help. You know, you ran into each other. It was just a very different world, even not at, less professional. Even at the games, you know, the athletes were just kind of cruising around with the spectators when they weren't weren't competing right now. There's this very sort of like the athletes are in one place and, you know, the spectator, right? So it was very different back then. But what I will say is I do remember a time, and I think Kelly went to teach one of his courses at Mayhem. This is way back in the day. I don't remember anything about the, it the Mayhem other version. than... Yeah, I don't remember anything about it other than that Kelly came home and said that Hillary had made these things called Oreo balls, which had a deep and lasting impact on Kelly and something he continues to talk about is that, fondly. Is that when I got fat <laughs> and slower? <laughs> I mean, that may have been the beginning. That may have been the beginning of it. There's some in the laundry room. She got some for, she doesn't make them, but she had somebody make some for Violet's birthday. So they're in the laundry room right now. Oh, I don't even know. I'll be there know, in two right? minutes. Two hours. Right, come on. Come on. <laughs> It's really simple, everyone. It's just like cream cheese and a bag of Oreos. Smash them together. It really is. And then you just drizzle them in icing, which are amazing. It's amazing, which is the only reason, if everyone under understands this, why Rich works out is so you can handle the Oreo balls. I think that really, when I was a kid, my mom cooked so many sweets that I was I was a little pudgy. And I was like, I got to fix this. And I think it was, you know, eighth, ninth grade when kids come to that point where they actually care what they look like. I think that's what started wow. it all for me. 
Thanks, mom. Yeah, so, thanks, so, mom. Dad, so just everybody. since we're talking about food, I think you're sort of well known to have. I mean, obviously you eat well, but I think you're also known sometimes as having like maybe sometimes not the strictest diet, and that you will eat an Oreo ball every so often, and and like sure. like the two workouts a day, you have yet to die, and it hasn't impacted your athletic performance. So I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what's, do you have like in. a conscious approach, or are you just like, hey, I'm living my life and. I work out hard and what's your sort of view? Yeah, take swing at that. It's almost like the 80 to 90% rule, I guess, of, you know, I try to most of the time eat really healthy or, or relatively healthy, I guess. And the older I get, the more I'm trying to dial that in just because, you know, try different things and see if, you know, it helps with inflammation or certain things. But yeah, I'm, if, I, if there's something there that I want to enjoy, as long as it's, you know, not eating every day like that or eating... I would say a whole sleeve of Oreos, but I can't say that that's never happened. And, you know, if they're gone, then you can't eat anymore usually. So, but yeah, no, I think making the family safe. Exactly. You know, I'm trying to do this for my kids. And so to, you know, I guess pinpoint something. Yeah. I've tried to, over the years, I've actually tried to clean up my diet a little bit, but I still will, you know, indulge every once in a while. And, and I don't want it to be like this weird, awkward thing sometimes of like, Rich has got his own separate food. What's going on here kind of with the family. So, you know, the kids, luckily for us, the kids will like Trice. One of his favorite things are broccoli. Like he freaking loves broccoli, which is amazing that a four-year-old or three-year-old loves broccoli. But we were at a restaurant one time and he was throwing a fit. He was tired and all he wanted was broccoli. It was the most bizarre thing it's ever. It's like a self-soothing mechanism. You know, I think the other thing too that- <laughs> Saturday Night Live skit where your four-year-old throws a broccoli fit. I would say too that, you know, just we sort of have a similar approach, right? With eating with our kids, like we're never going to be like, you know, eating some pre-prepared food and ha make our kids dinner. We, you know, we try to actually eat together and we think it's even more important because we have two girls and there's so much disordered eating and, you know, there's so, I mean, you, aren't quite, community. you aren't quite at that point yet, but I mean, it's so significant in teenage girls that, you know, we really are like, hey, we, you know, we obviously want to always have a healthy diet, but we're not going to be weird about you know, having some treats around and do you and he'll talk normal. about that? You know, our kids aren't really to that age yet. Like Lakeland this morning, you know, like Hillary for some reason had these mini moon pies and anybody that's been in the South has had one. Lakeland's like, Hey, I'm taking this for snack. And I'm like, that's not, ha all right, you go ahead and take that. If you want to take that for a snack today, you know, once every once in a while, and she's like, all right, why don't we eat one for breakfast? I was like, you will not eat one for breakfast. You can have one for a snack, <laughs> but you're not going to eat one for breakfast and for a snack. So there's that, you know, I think it's just, you know, creating healthy boundaries and kind of do as I, you know, have them, they see me eating healthy. Like Hillary is not a huge, you know, like she loves pasta and those types of things. And genetically she can handle that type of stuff. But the kids, I think we've just for so long of, Hey, you know, I eat relatively healthy. They'll eat whatever I'm eating. They love, you know, like I said, which is crazy. Our kids love vegetables. They love, you know, good meat and stuff like that. And so uh, chicken bones, they love meat off the bone wings they love wings so they, but they call them chicken bones so it's it's cool it's cool you cannot get enough collagen into your kids i think chicken wings and hot dogs are the world's superfoods for children all the connective tissues so i just want to go back to your crossfit career for a minute and um say something i always think about whenever kelly and whenever i've been sitting with kelly watching you compete sorry Rich. this is kelly's Hurry commentary up. which is which is like why is he still going yeah. Kelly always says, you know, that you are one, I mean, not the only one, but one of the few athletes that will be on the floor that gets mechanically better the more tired you get. 
that's always the commentary has about you, right? Like other people's technique falls apart when they get tired and yours gets better. At least that's Kelly's view of it. Are you sort of conscious of that? Is that something you've worked on or is that like a part of your genetic freakdom or, you know, what do you think about that? Because obviously you care about mechanics. You move really well. It's probably not all just a genetic gift, but sort of, are you aware that that's, is that like an approach you take to training or competing or it just happens? I think it's definitely a perfect storm of all of it. You know, I think biomechanically, I'm probably, my limbs are in pretty good unison, I guess, of the length and all that type of stuff. I think athleticism has part to play in it. I think years and years and years of skill practice and, and making sure that I'm doing things and then trying to stay away from things that hurt, you know, like if, if something doesn't feel right, I probably try to not lean into it or maybe flirt with that line of where I start to, you know, like we always, they've always talked about in CrossFit seminar of, you know, technique versus intensity of staying right at that line of like, all right, you know, I'm going fast enough that I'm not breaking out, breaking down too bad. But I, it's just a perfect storm of all of those things. I don't think there's like, I can't pinpoint one of them. And Kelly, you may be able to speak to it a little bit better. But I think, like I said, biomechanically, there's probably some type of advantage there. I do have a little bit longer limbs or arms, I guess, but years and years and years of practice. And then, you know, in 2000, it was after 2000, I want to say we, and going back to what we talked about earlier and how we met, I think I reached out to you about, I had some back issues in 2000, after 2010 and falling off that rope. And you gave me some like couch stretch and, and uh, what do you call it? The Olympic squat stretch. I'm pretty sure it was after 2010 is when we, we kind of connected. And what I'll say is anytime I ever reached out to you about, anything for a while i'd try it by myself because i feel bad just always asking you for help and then as soon as i'd ask and he'd be like oh yeah try this this and this and then it'd, it'd fix it i'm like gosh dang it why didn't do that earlier but saying all that to say you know in 2010 i backed everything down looked at my movement and was like oh i could clean that up i could do this fix my squat you know i was very quad dominant very not using the hips not everything not moving correctly not moving well so i basically went down and was like all right nothing over 95 pounds would do a hundred air squats a day, just thinking about, all right, how am I moving? Am I, you know, kind of staying in the planes I need to stay in and, and just basically doing that kind of a complete overhaul of my movement. And, um, that helped immensely. And we've used that kind of, uh, method a couple of times on a couple of athletes like Angelo DeChico, who has been with us since he was 14, we wouldn't let him go over basically 95 pounds until he would show us that he could do X, Y, and Z correctly. And, and I think it's paid off in his longevity as well as, you know, he's got a little bit of shoulder thing and, you know, things are going to happen at a high level. If you're a high level athlete, like it's not safe. CrossFit is not safe if you're doing it for competition, like it, it is what it is. And that's a kind of a, a necessary or inherent risk you're, you're taking on, but CrossFit overall is safe if you do it correctly. And so, you know, that was one thing that we did with Angelo, like I said in the beginning was, hey, let's get you moving right before we allow you to go any heavier than, say, 95 pounds. And I think that that's so such a fair statement about all athletics at a high level, right? Like the moment you start competing and training at that kind of volume at a high level, you know, whether it's running or football or really any sport, mountain biking, it's like, right, your risk of injury and catastrophe goes through the roof, right? It just is part of the game. It's part as a risk you take. Well, I think we're also just just beginning to roll into, I'll put you Gen 1, your like first generation competitive athlete. People like Annie, you, Kalipa, et cetera, who are still around, have had to figure out how to address efficiency, lifestyle, movements to still be able to handle these intensities. You know, I think part of, you know, your success is that you've, you're really efficient 
and you kind of continue to refine the skill instead of just throwing and throwing yourself at the fire. And sometimes this isn't even a, a result of conscious decision. It's the only way to continue to make progression. You know, and then when you backstroke fill and people start to realize, oh, this greater efficiency actually is a more effective way where you can train two or three times a day. You know, one of the things that I think is interesting is, you know, as you have come around, I know you have a, a world famous cereal bar after heavy squats and some of, you know, those things. But you do something that I think is a little bit novel and sort of anathema and sort of opposite of what some recommendations we give to athletes is you sometimes don't eat breakfast. Will you talk about that for a second and what you do on the back end of that? Yeah. So I intermittent fast and uh, I've done it for four years now, three or four years now. I could honestly probably count on one hand the number of days in the last four years that I've not intermittent fast traveling different time zones. I, I don't have a DeLorean traveling different time zones. Sometimes. But they're making an electric DeLorean. So I soon. did see that. Actually, I did see that. It is just something that's worked for me and it's worked really well since I've been doing it. Did you eat breakfast as a kid? Yes, usually I did. Bowl of cereal, you know, the traditional just bunch of sugar, bowl of cereal. And if there wasn't any sugar type cereal, you added sugar with the spoon. And then even in my early years of competing, I would eat kind of in the morning. I would get super busy throughout the day or I'm the type that if, if I'm moving, if I'm busy, I don't really think about eating. If there, there are things to do that food is kind of an afterthought or a last type thing. And then end of the day... I would just take in a bunch of calories. But the hard part for me was the fact that that kind of early afternoon session or afternoon session, I just felt a beat down. I was tired, exhausted because I wasn't eating. And so off season is just kind of this weird kind of time where you're, you don't want to like put on a bunch of weight. You're not training as much. So you got to kind of dial back your calories and all this type of stuff. So I'd been reading a bunch about intermittent fasting and um, I'd had this issue with my knee where just was having a ton of swelling. It was right after that meniscectomy that I wish I never would have done and all this type of stuff. And so I'm trying to figure out ways to get rid of inflammation. So one of the ways that I'd read was intermittent fasting. So I was, I'll give this a shot, see how it goes off season. When season starts back, I'll kind of get my normal routine. Well, slowly, I actually really liked it. It took about two or three weeks to get used to in that whole process, start ramping up the volume a little bit, just with machine type stuff, kind of a second session. And I was like, all right, let's see how this goes and, you know, how I feel. And I just felt really good. It made me eat middle of the day after my kind of first session. And then I was fueled for my second session. And then I think of kind of after that second session as fueling for the next morning session. It just really worked. And I, it worked with my lifestyle. It felt really good. You know, in the morning I drink black coffee is that's it. Black coffee and water is kind of my only morning things, only morning, I guess, uh, ritual. The hard part is sometimes on Saturdays or Sundays, if the kids are at the house and we cook breakfast, that's the only real hard part. Actually, Thursdays are hard. I lied. We usually swim at eight and then Thursday is kind of our no, I w would say no fitness day, but it's, you swim a lot. And then we usually bike in the afternoon. So this kind of, we swim early and then we have a break where usually we're training up until noon. So right now I'm counting down like I got 32 minutes till I can eat. And uh, it's just something that's worked for me and I really like it. Usually when I was, last time I was there, you had a gigantic shake and that was what you were breaking your fast with. Are you still doing that? Yep. Break my fast usually with a protein shake and then I'll take in whatever a lunch would be, you know, usually some type of chicken and rice or, you know, bring in some carbs, something like that. And so kind of cool. I've got this insulin real-time blood sugar glucose monitor. Companies trying to get into it. And uh, my sister's type 1 diabetic. So I more 
was just intrigued on, hey, how do I have any if those type of issues with you know type one diabetes? And so it's been kind of cool. This thing's I've been wearing it for about two, three weeks now, and just to see what my blood sugar does and the bottoms, and it's kind of weird that not weird now that I've looked into it, but I never would have thought it. You know, if I, I'm fasting in the morning, we do a really hard CrossFit session. My blood sugar will actually spike to about 130 fasted, and it's interesting, I guess, in the fact that. I can might might be able to change some stuff up when I'm competing to maybe get a little bit of sugar so I'm not breaking down that tissue because that's what's happening is I'm either taking breaking down muscle or getting some glycogen or you know cortisol and all that type of stuff as fuel. So it's just it, I don't know, it's kind of geeking out on that type of stuff. I don't know how much I'll use, but it's it's cool to kind of learn some of that stuff. And then like if I'm doing kind of a longer kind of steady state workout in the afternoon, my blood sugar drops to like 60 or 70 and I feel completely fine. But it's just uh, kind of interesting. I love to geek out on all that data you stuff guys, too. You so are, I'm like, ooh, I want one of those. That sounds fun. I know, right? It's it, it. At first, I was like, I don't really care about that. And then the more and more I do it, I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting. Why is it doing that? Let me try this. You know. Let me ask you. You're doing something that I think is really remarkable. You're not just an athlete monk with a girlfriend. You have a. We have a really rich family life. You have a rich community life with your church. You have a competitive life, which is real. And you're sort of the head of, a, of an empire, you know, and I know you have friends around you, but a lot of people struggle to manage two of those things. How do you manage four or five of those things? What is it that you and Hill do? You guys stay connected. How are you feeling that? And, and is this thing sustainable to keep, you know, Rich Froning athlete into Rich Froning, you know, president? I think honestly, the all this extra stuff that I do is to kind of get away from the fitness side of things. You know, I have an incredible job. I love what I do. I'm a competitor. It's just who I am. But anytime you do anything for a job, it's a job. And so, you know, over the last couple of years, having the farm, doing some of the things we have on the service side, you know, like we a couple of years ago, through a help of, of Jim Hems, Jim Hensel, one of the guys around here, he as mayhem mindset, but you kind of, we've defined our values and our values with mayhem, our faith, family, fitness, and service. And so as a business, you know, we're always aiming at those things, but those are also personal values for me. And so for me, what I've learned over the last couple of years is at the end of the day, I kind of take a little personal report card of, of how was my faith today? Was I, you know, for me, it's my faith is, is in Jesus. And, you know, I try to read my Bible and do those things. So how was my faith today? Did I do those things? Family, is number two on that list. And, you know, how was I as a dad? And was I there for Hillary? Did I do those things? And then fitness is the third. And so every day I kind of take a little assessment on, hey, what did I do good? What can I work on? And I have a, a short memory when I do well, and I have a short memory when I do bad. And so how can I fix those things? I have to actually, you know, really dive into and actually be critical. You know, was I good in those things or how can I fix those things? And so for me, that's worked really well. You know, we talk about the mayhem side of things. We have a ton of good people here that are doing really good things for us. Our media team's incredible. Josh here at Mayhem does events, runs the gym, is incredible. Jake with online programming, who you guys work with a lot, I'm sure is great. And so those types of things, I just put people that are better than me in those areas in and they've just kind of, I let them run with it. So that's the easy side of it. And then the farm has been, it's just fun. You know, it's something that's not fitness related. My performance doesn't necessarily, you know, dictate the success of that. And it's something like last night I was saying, you know, me and Violet, 
five o'clock in the afternoon or out riding on the tractor and just having, you know, dad daughter time. And it's incredible. And Hillary has these stupid Highland cows that she absolutely loves. And you've known Hillary for years and Hillary is not an outdoors person. She's not a farm girl. She's not any of that, but she loves these cows and it gives her something to do outside. And she, over the last three or four months that she's had them, it's been incredible just to see you know, it's just something for her to do that's anti-stress. She goes out and pets and brushes these golden doodles with horns and, and to see, you know, how much she, and like the other day she walks in and she's kind of got this look on her face. I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, it just, it just pisses me off. And I'm like, what? She's like, it just makes me mad that nobody loves these cows as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> they are so, tasty, tasty cows, hon. It's bizarre. And so, you know, basically we've turned into a re- Highland rescue farm, but it's awesome. So, you know, that type of stuff is easy. It's kind of what, what I like to do and, and get out there, like I said, on the tractor and have some things that we can do as a family that are their work. You know, they're not sitting in front of a TV or sitting in front of a, a screen. I am so fascinated by Froning Farms. And what's the sort of the backstory? Like, did you just sort of one day think, I'm going to start a farm? Or what was the, like, what made you think of that? And and then, you know, what decisions did you make? And how's it operating as a business? Yeah, so my, um, I guess I'm technically a mom's family was farmers, were farmers, like fourth, I guess, technically fourth generation farmer. You were just started as a watt farmer, a pound farmer. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so... We had this land and I, I grew up and we had horses. My dad had bought some horses for my sister because she wanted horses. And I actually despised horses for a long time because my dad brought, my dad was a cheap and bought a half broke horse. And you're not going to stick your eight-year-old on a horse, your eight-year-old baby girl. You're going to stick your 13-year-old son who's never ridden a horse or knows anything about horses to try to help break said horse. So I had some some ill feelings toward horses for a while and uh, until we watched Yellowstone and then it was like, yeah, we need some horses. And, uh, but anyway, so backtrack, we had chores. We didn't have a farm. We had things that my parents, I felt like just made up. So we had to do them and keep us busy, which I'm now super beneficial for. So I saw the value in that. And uh, when we moved up to where we are now, we have 160 acres, something like that. And between myself and then my best friend in the world growing up, Matt, who, um, lives we grew up probably half a mile from each other played sports growing up all that type of stuff he lives a mile from us and so we started having kids they started having kids and we thought hey let's do something with this property when he was a firefighter at the same time i was on his days off he would raise cattle so he had the background and i thought let's put some cows out there and so we talked kind of talked about the logistics of that you know let's make some cool hats and shirts to kind of support it so we don't have to foot the bill and all this stuff and gives our family something to do. In the process, I started reading about bison and always really thought bison were cool. And that was pretty much the gist of it and said, hey, let's do bison. Matt goes, I don't really know anything about bison. I'm like, I can't be too much different than cows, let alone it's way different than cows. But bison are so cool. They're just, uh, there's a, the more and more that we've gotten into it, the kind of history behind how resilient they are, how incredible a just a specimen they are. And you're, it's a little bit of conservation to it. You know, like we're bringing something back that was, they say anywhere from 40 to 60 million. We're across North America. And then now it's less than, I think like 500,000, right around 500,000, but was killed down into less than a thousand. So there's a, there's just a ton of just cool stuff behind the bison. And so 
Yeah, people don't know it was the, before the Tennessee Vols, they were the Tennessee Bison. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, it's just a cool animal. And so that was kind of how the farm started. We wanted to make some t-shirts and stuff like that. And then we started doing kind of meat products and healthy, healthy snacks. The only, you know, no sugar added and fits into what we do. And it's as weird as it sounds, my kids freaking love, I can, we can't keep the bison sticks at the house because the kids just eat the crap out of them. They just eat them nonstop. But yeah, it gives us something to do together and we really enjoy it, like I said. And from there, we had the bison and got way too into Yellowstone and said, hey, yeah, Hillary's always wanted horses. I was like, yeah, let's get some horses now that we've watched Yellowstone. We can do that. And horses are really hard. Then Hillary got into these Highland cows. I don't even know how. And happy wife, happy life. And next thing we know, we have seven Highland cows. Do you think if I went into her Instagram account, it would just be cow porn? I, it really would. Like just I, Highland you know, cows. I, her reels and all that type of stuff. She's like, she'll send me these. She's like, look at this cow. It's so cute. Like She'll send me these auctions on these cows. And <laughs> so the big thing right now is mini Highland cows or micro uh, Highland oh, cows. We have seen oh. those. In our family, I haven't even. seen them. Oh, Caroline was like, I've only seen, seen like a mini, mini doodle dog. Like no, every no, dog no. is now in a mini, but I haven't seen a mini Highland cow. It's pretty cute. Oh, okay. One sold for 30 grand the other day. I was like, Hillary, why don't you do that? Like, I'll quit CrossFit. You just start selling these cows, you know, I can be done. It blew my mind, but she loves the, they have dwarfism and she'll show me all these. There's like message boards for Highland cows and auction sites for Highland cows and, it's crazy. Deep niche. It's all about just finding your people. But let me ask you this. First time I came to Cookville, it was a little sleepier in like 2010, 2011. And lo and behold, though, the last time I showed up, it was like the hippest, coolest place. And lots of micro pubs, lots of brew pubs, great coffee. And speaking of good coffee, when did you swing around because I think I had like I asked for a cup of coffee and you looked at me askew and then now the best cup of coffee in Cookville is at your gym you talk about that transformation yeah man I I was not a coffee you know I was a coffee just anti-coffee for a long time I just never got into it and then a couple years ago Josh Bridges was really big into it and we you know through good dudes talked about starting a coffee company and so I was like I can't not drink coffee if we're going to start a coffee company and then you know, just through just, you know, he lives in California. Dan lived in Ohio, lived Tennessee. It just, good dudes was just not going to work the way we wanted it to. And we didn't want to, you know, have any ill feelings towards each other. So we kind of just split up on that deal. And, and Josh runs that and does a really good job with that. Well, now I'm into coffee, so I got to do something. And so we had this front space at Mayhem and a uh, good friend of ours, Trevor Bain does all of our roasting. He used uh, he, fun fact, he's a Daytona 500 champion. So he roasts all of our coffee and, and we work with them and I've now become a coffee snob. My wife gets so mad. She's like, you can't just drink, you know, if we go somewhere and she you just get a cup of coffee at McDonald's. I'm like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I will not do that. So you have to be in like the deep middle of nowhere on a road trip. And then you're like, okay, okay. Not this only is my can only you get choice. a great Americano, you guys have a, some kind of crazy thing that will like take cold brew. Snap chiller. Snap chiller. What is the snap chiller? This is the first time I thought I knew what was up, but you. This is the first snap chiller I ever I ever had in Cookville, Tennessee. Cold brew is different. It's brewed cold, so the snap chiller was pretty cool. So you brew your coffee hot, so you get the same flavor, and then instead of like usually what people do is they just chuck a bunch of ice in it. What waters the coffee down? You don't want water down coffee. Nobody wants that. So this machine, you pour the coffee through it, and it has some type of 
coils in it that chills the coffee as it goes through. And so it's flash chilled. You can also buy this pitcher on Amazon. It's called the Snap Chiller. And it basically is just this, it looks like a pitcher and you pull this, the ice, you leave it in the freezer, you pull the ice thing out, you pour your coffee in, you drop it back in. It just has a like an ice pack with just things that coffee can move through and it'll actually chill your coffee. It's the same idea, but it's only one-time use that we have the machine here at Mayhem. So you get hot coffee, you get the flavor of hot coffee because, you know, cold brew just tastes a little bit different. Not Nothing bad, but it's just different. So this is fresh coffee brewed hot that's just chilled without being watered down. I think the tech, the proper name would be Japanese coffee, I think is what they call it. I'm saying fancy. that, look, so I, fancy, I, have, Rich. I have loved Rich Froning for a long time. But then when I, last time I shop at Cookville and then see this, and then I go, I'm like, oh, and there's Topo Chico in the fridge. I was just like, it is, I'm well, moving. And I, cereal bar. And I, mean, I really, yeah. I was like, and you want to exercise all the time. I'm in. Hey, side note, Topo Chico, you know, I don't know how it is there, but here it's incredibly hard to get your hands on sometimes the lime flavored incredibly. I've found a good substitute. You heard of Spindrift? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We can actually get Spindrift at our Costco. I love Spindrift Lime and Lemon. Those two are, because you don't like, you know, with LaCroix or anything like that, you take a drink and you expect flavor and you still are expecting the flavor and it never really shows up. It's kind of there, but at least with Spindrift, you get a little flavor, you know? If everyone wants to know when I hang out with Rich Froning and what we talk about, you're, this is what we talk about. This is what we talk about. Yeah. We don't talk about, we talk about our kids and cows and coffee. And I really like a grapefruit Topo Chico. That's kind of my jam. Grapefruit is good. Have you had tangerine? No. I, we were in Texas and I what? found tangerine. Yeah. Huh. It was good. It was well, good. We're going to be in Austin in April. So I'm going to try to track that down. I okay. bet I can find some. One of the things that you figured out a long time ago, or you may, and I don't know when you made this conscious change, but you were winning the games winning the games, winning the games. And then all of a sudden you were like, there's this notion of the super team. And it also, I think, is interesting that you cr started creating these team events. And I want, because I think it really speaks to one of the reasons you're so successful as a company, Mayhem as a company, because you just really, you just keep attracting rock stars. Like people move to Cookville because you've created something really remarkable out of this community. When did you switch thinking, hey, I should do that? Because we're starting to see other people realize that maybe there's some longevity and more fun being part of a group training. You did make competing on a team cool too because I was on a For team the first in 2010 time. and you know we were just like the bastard stepchild of the CrossFit Games and then I was like, Rich Froning has a team, it's cool. I still feel like we're a little bit of the bastard stepchild but you know we're at least getting some notoriety every once in a while. I think that just growing up playing team sports, I've just always enjoyed being part of a group. I perform way better with people I, there's just a different mentality, I guess, when you're doing it for somebody else than for yourself. And so I think from the competitive side, that's easy for me. And then I think on the business side of things, yeah, I think for me personally, I, like I said earlier, I try to find people that are better at me in areas, you know, like we have Rory here. Rory's really good with the, the business, the partnerships and, and dealing with people. He's a good people person. And then we have incredible media team, everybody back in there that just, you know, we wouldn't be who we are without the, I mean, media is, is huge in this day and age. And those guys and girls back there do an incredible job of that. Like I said, we have Josh, Josh runs the gym. He runs our events. He does those types of things. And Jake with online programming and Darren helping him with that. And so I really just found people that were better at me and, and they, 
who were also good team players and get along well with people and and is we've been really successful because of them and so just have fun try to have some fun well it also seemed from my instagram observing that there was a close connection between your switching to competing as a team when you had kids which as a mom i really respected because i was like wow rich is like going to actually be part of his kids life and he you know being on a team is going to make that more possible right i mean i'm assuming that was a factor yeah, it was a huge factor. I, I'm as an individual, I was a, I was an asshole. No way to put it. Like I just in the fact that to be the best in the world, anything you have to be selfish. You have to, you have to eat, breathe, sleep, all those things yourself, and taking care of yourself and competing. And I, and I won't say that I'm proud of some, you know, times when I was an individual. Of, You're you also know, a young, much younger man much younger and early on. And, you know, there were things that I missed out in marriage with me and Hillary early on in our marriage where, you know, instead of taking an extra vacation or doing something like that, or eight o'clock at night, I'd be out on the rower or stuff like that. And I was just always thinking about training. I was obsessed with it. And it's just who I was. And when we knew or found out we were having Lakeland, I knew I couldn't do that anymore and, and be, you know, I had really good parents. And so I couldn't be present in her life. And I knew that, being on a team, I could still compete. I could still scratch the itch. I could still provide for our family and do the sponsorship type of things for the first couple of years and grow what we were doing. But I could disconnect from training. When I was done training, I was done training and, and I wasn't thinking about the next thing that I needed to do. And and uh, it was a really good thing for me and for my marriage and for our family. And I don't, don't regret it whatsoever. Yeah, we always say you know, when you're starting a business or doing any kind of these these endeavors, there's a minute where you have to just be a maniac. You, that's the only thing you can do, but it's not sustainable. You'll burn out all your relationships. You'll burn out all your your contacts. It's just, you can't, the thing that gets you there is the thing that keeps you there. Exactly. Mayhem continues to be an incredible juggernaut, bringing people in. It'd be one thing if it was just Rich and Rich Inc. continuing to be great, but you keep attracting incredible athletes around you and building this incredible community, which is, I think is a hallmark of the quality of your program and your thinking, and you've really become one of the world's best kind of thinkers about programming. You've also just recently pivoted and realized that there's a whole Spanish-speaking population that isn't being served well. Can you talk about sort of there's mayhem global, and now you really are starting to try to cast a bigger net. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So, you know, and this is honestly, I'll speak to Jake and Jake, uh, who uh, Lake Lockhart, who runs our online programming, and Facundo. Uh, anybody who's been around mayhem or been around CrossFit knows Facundo. He's incredible and speaks 18,000 different languages, if there were that many, but he can He's fluent in many, many languages and he, he does a lot of stuff with the Latin American community and with the European community. And so those two really just had a, a great idea. And, and like you said, the more and more athletes that we've had here now, we have Sasha and we have Guy who speaks Portuguese and just kind of hearing what's going on in those different areas and thinking, hey, we can let's let's try to help out with what we're doing and, and have these guys and girls in those communities and, and do those things. And so uh, pretty fired up about, you know, how well and how well received it was latin america in the works maybe we've got we've got a french speaking or french offering and then also maybe even a chinese one we were talking about in the upcoming years so you know i think in the u.s or english speaking countries are probably a little bit i guess spoiled with the amount of content that we get and so if we can you know try to help and you know bring in some of those other athletes and grow some of these other areas that we've talked about for years and actually do it that's what we want to do we want to try to help but it's cool having like you said we have 
having Guy here now and and then Sasha, just speaking to those guys and Tyler, Chris Fell and Bailey Rail and more and more athletes that are just like like us, you know, they're, that's the easy part of what we do is everybody that's here gets along well. We have a good time. We have a fun training group now. We've always had fun training groups, but it's just cool that, you know, one goes away, you know, because they've either hit their time or are moving on to something else that a new one steps in. And it's, it's a good, good time around here. So I'm assuming that you are ramping up for the 2022 game season. Tell us a little bit about your team and what you guys are like, who's on your team and what's your plan? What are you guys looking forward to? And let me just start by saying, I think Mayhem put the most games athletes out into the CrossFit Games last year. Mike, right about that? Yes, I think so. I think we had uh, the most individual, but then also age group as well. And so Jake has a pretty ambitious goal this year. I think I think we had somewhere around 50 or something like that. So I think he wants to have 75 or 100. Jake's pretty... Uh, Pretty ambitious with that goal, but I think we can do it. Is that greed? Just take up all the spots and all the best athletes? I mean, Yeah, we want to take all the spots. We just make it the mayhem. It's not even your fault you're the best. You just woke up like that. The mayhem games, you know? It is what it is. So, yeah. So, yeah. Tra- training's ramping up. It's getting to that, that time of year. Opens coming up next week. We will have the same girls, and then we will have an announcement next week, actually, on who the, the new male is. Chase, um, you know, Chase has a new baby girl and is running a gym as well. And so he, it was a lot last year traveling back and forth, you know, within from Tennessee, I mean, in Cookville to uh, where he lived in Knoxville. So he did that uh, four days a week last year. So he did an awesome job. It was incredible to have him on the team last year, but um, this year we're going to have a new guy and next week we'll figure that out. Everybody will find that out. Pretty fired up about it. He's pretty fit, really good guy, fits in well with uh, who we are and, and what we do here and has been with us for a while. So Looking forward to that. And I just want to give a shout Can't out wait to, to the uh, to the two women on your team who I am such fans of those two women. They are just monsters and just funny. And especially shout out to T-Will who is going and getting her PA degree all the while being a monster. Like, mm-hmm. I just have so much respect. I, I think I we stayed at the same hotel when we were there and she was training and she was studying for a final before workout. It's crazy. Yeah, it's super impressive to, I mean... We were all kind of like, oh, you know, what are we going to do next year and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, I'm going to have to have a real job next year. So maybe let's, I'll do one more. So it was, uh, we're, we're excited to have her. She's actually going to do one of her rotations here with a gym member in Cookville. So that'll help a ton too for her and not having to travel as much back and forth. And so uh, it'll be good. But yeah, and Andrea, Andrea is an incredible athlete, a monster and super incredibly strong. And I love that she's also coach those women getting to know those women the last few years has just been just been a total total treat and uh they may be better than the men on the team they may carry them in. i think so i think this year we might be able to like at least close that gap last year they were significantly better i think we might be able to close the gap this year i have f- independent friends who are around mayhem one of them rory i won't say his name rory hinted at that maybe in the future you're thinking an mba is that possible yeah i've thought about uh i don't know if i'm i'm getting him in trouble but uh no no i've you know over the last couple years my grandpa went to notre dame so i grew up a huge notre dame fan and uh i've thought about you know trying to get into their business school there kind of as a legacy to my grandpa i don't know it might be in a couple years i've actually reached out to the admissions department and so i've had a uh two interviews and just kind of talked to them got a 
figure out on the timeline when when it'll work and when I can make it happen. But they have a... You got time right now. I mean, what are you even doing? I know, right? I got nothing else. Just take Trice to class with me. So they have a, a pretty cool program in their business. It's where it's a, it's more of a senior business. I forget the actual name of it, but you won... Basically, one week or one weekend a month, you go up to campus for three days, and it's it's pretty group oriented. And you go, to, like I said, you go to campus. It's I think twenty two months or something like that. So it'll be a big endeavor. But in the next couple of years, hopefully. Do you think most people go to business school already being really good yeah, at business and already having owning success? like six other businesses? <laughs> yeah, but it, you can always refine your skills, and there's always you know to learn from other people and, and other people's mistakes. And yeah, I think, you know, my next chapter of when I'm not a competitive athlete, being able to, you know, grow the business and create something for other people, my kids and, and take care of everybody here and be a better leader, I think uh, would be a valuable asset for sure. Amazing. Well, Rich, what are you looking forward to in the coming weeks, months? What's next? What are you living for? What are, what are you living this for? This is what Julie and I say. What are we living yeah, for? What are you waking up for? Daytona 500s this weekend. Uh, you got the 125 duels. I'm a big NASCAR guy. My, you know, my, uh, it's just something we did as a family growing up. So I still have a little bit of that holdover. I mean, the open starts, obviously. We got a flag football tournament coming up in Nashville, March 12th and 13th. So I'm looking forward to that. Maybe a little spring break with the kids, maybe in Florida. So got some good stuff coming. Father daughter date dance next weekend. Oh, man. Cute. Yeah, yeah, we'll have some fun with that. The girls love that. So I want to just point out that uh, Georgia has turned seventeen here in a month. Now asked me for programming. She's like, "Hey, I, you know, off water polo." She's like, "I'm like today." I sent her some videos of a high level Olympic athlete snatching, and I was like, "Hey, I want you to work up to a heavy single, and then chase a heavy some heavy doubles on the front squat after." She's like, "Cool," and I was like, "Wow, that just happened. That's awesome. That was this morning." Love that. Dreams can come true, Rich. Just hang in there. Lakeland will do it. She's like, hey, Dad, watch this. And she loves doing some cleans and she'll throw some jerks in there. It's It's been fun. <laughs> it's been fun. She's getting there. We call I call it planting seeds and traps. Like yep. my kids didn't realize they stepped in that trap <laughs> like yep. years yep. ago and now they can't just drag it around and find it, you know. Stuck, kid. It's awesome. so good. It's good. Rich, tell people where you are on the socials where people can find out more about what's going on with Mayhem Farms, with with the rest of it. Yep, just at Rich Froning. My Instagram, at Froning Farms, at Hillary Froning. She's got a bunch of farm stuff on there as well. Just then MayhemNation.com and FroningFarms.com. So where we're at, the interwebs. YouTube, we got a pretty good media team here. So if you want to get overloaded and annoyed with how much content we put out, just CrossFit Mayhem. And then we also have a farm, YouTube, which is Froning Farms. So last thing, because I would be remiss if I didn't mention it, um, how good is Haley Adams? Haley Adams is incredible. She's, uh, you know, she, the big thing is, I think is she's just an animal in the, in between the ears. Like she just wants to win and wants to work and nobody's going to outwork her. So she'll be a force to be reckoned with if, um, you know, she, uh, she knows what she needs to work on and we're working on that daily. The, you know, getting a little bit stronger, getting her positions a little bit better. I don't really even think it's, the strength as much as it is position. So she's just she's everyone awesome. knows there are these things called training with rich weekends, but there's going to be a first training with Haley. Yeah. Yeah. Women only women only women only. I'm trying to drag George out there. We'll see if we can make that happen. Hey, rich. Come on. We can, we can drop her off at the gym and we'll go up to the house and make Oreo balls. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, people no wonder why I'm friends with rich and you know, you, there's a little workout. There's a little workout. Yeah. Yeah. Area we'll, we'll next to the house. Workout in the, barn for sure or the basement yeah. or the studio in the back 
either pick your three. <laughs> Rich, thank you so thank much, you man. Thank you so Best much for being here. Thank awesome, you. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Ready State Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all our episodes here or at thereadystate.com. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Ready State. Until next time, cheers, everyone. You got it. You better stop.